And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the latest episode of The Shamrock. I'm Pete Sampson, joined by my co-host Matt Fortuna in Chicago. We actually maybe could have done this in person together earlier this week. Um, Shout out to former Shamrock uh, guest and Notre Dame alum, fashion extraordinaire Go Wang, for um, putting out a pretty cool happy hour event uh, at his shop downtown Chicago. And... I think, Matt, you and I, we are both recipients of the Shamrock Bump um, based on our wardrobe additions that came out of that event. Literally, hashtag not an ad, but we got some pretty sweet um, ESQ bombers with uh, Shamrock insignia on it. We were able to, to meet with some subscribers and listeners, answer a few questions, and enjoy a few uh, Topo Chico hard seltzers, if I remember correctly. And it's just one. I'll drive back to night. South Bend. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, it's fun to see everyone. Appreciate God, the ESQ team um, uh, hosting us and uh, hope to do something similar soon. Hope to do more in-person events now as the world hopefully is normal because um, I love interacting with our subscribers and listeners. I love the live rooms. I love seeing you guys at games and season is right around the corner. So we're, uh, we're ready to talk shop. Well, today on the show, we've got a Notre Dame trustee, Byron Spruwell, who is also the president of league operations with the NBA. Uh, and a former Notre Dame football player who definitely was not a walk-on at Notre Dame, <laughs> even though I introed him as such, perhaps conflating him and his son, Devin, who was a walk-on at Notre Dame, um, a linebacker under Brian Kelly. Uh, and that's a, we had a pretty good conversation. Not, I mean, obviously, the, we talked to Marcus Freeman, uh, both Ohio guys. Um, but for somebody in that level of sports, I think his opinions on NIL, on media deals, on where Notre Dame fits, not just because he's with the NBA, but because he's also a Notre Dame trustee. That was pretty interesting. Um, so I think that might be a little bit in the weeds for people who just want to talk depth charts, but um, I thought that Byron's takes on those were 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 pretty enlightening. Yeah, I mean, you know, not to... Um tell our listeners anything they don't know, but I think when you talk about the Notre Dame kind of connection, the power of the Notre Dame degree, um, you've got the number three in the entire NBA who played football, by the way, at your school. Um, now in such a position of power, obviously a, a trustee at the university, but you know, Adam Silver, Mark Tatum's right-hand man uh, at, at the NBA. Um, I, I don't know if we got too much into this with him. We got a little bit with the refereeing stuff at the end, but like and, and I'd say this all due respect, that's in some ways sounds like the most thankless job in the world. Like obviously you're taking care of well, it's a very important job. It's almost like a college commissioner, right? Like you're the yeah. the complaint department, uh, for lack of a better term. I mean, when you read some other stories about uh his days and his hours, it's you know, regular in the office and go home, watch every late night game on League Pass and get ready for what the coaches are going to say post game about your officials and what they're going to ask you to, to review. I mean, I think he, uh, 
I was reading a couple stories on him before we interviewed him. I'm conflating a couple. Our friends, all of our friends, Chris Hine, Tim Priester, and um, John Walters had written about him in recent years. And in one of them, he gives the example of, I'm holding up this black pen now, right? And and whoever the writer was says, right. And he goes, well, my job is having at least 50% of the people I deal with every day trying to convince me that the black pen I'm holding up is in fact a blue pen. And they're going to argue me to the death over it. So um, take the thick skin <laughs> and, and a lot of savvy uh, to, to be able to manage some of the egos and personalities that, that come with professional sports. But uh, he, was, he was a great guest, uh, you know, great, great family. And uh, he's had one heck of a career. And again, a guy who... Uh, Career kind of got off on the wrong foot physically, um, you know, got hurt in high school, um, really set him back and, and probably cost him a shot at the NFL um, once he graduated from Notre Dame. But I think the fact that Lou Holtz um, in 1988 decided to give Byron Squirrel a championship ring, despite the fact he had not played in a year, um, speaks to the impact he had in that locker room uh, and the impact he and his classmates had at setting the foundation for what was obviously a breakthrough national title winning season for Notre Dame. All right, a couple of news items before we jump into an interview. Uh, I was at practice today. Thankfully, the last 25-minute, five-period five viewing of the preseason – so I'm not going to watch stretching again probably until December uh, when I'm at a bowl game. But Jared Patterson in a walking boot, which I guess technically would be an upgrade over the cast from last weekend. Uh, but he's walking around opposed to being on a scooter. That's definitely some progress. We'll see where that goes. Uh, and then Cam Hart, who I think we talked about in the last podcast, there was some speculation about hamstring, missing time. For my very amateur eye, it looked like he did most of the stuff in the five periods we were there, but wasn't full speed. All of it. I asked him about it after practice. He said he's fully healthy. He's doing everything. Um, you know, no truth to him being limited in any way. We the next time we will see Cam Hart uh, in a football uniform will be on September fourth in Columbus, Ohio. So uh, we'll see where he is from there. Um, we had we had access to tight ends. And cornerbacks this week, um, Benjamin Morrison, a freshman corner who I'd never spoken with before, was a delight. And as I told uh, Nurem's sort of sports information department on the way out, I really hope Benjamin Morrison plays a lot this year, purely for the interview potential. Um, I mean, he's a cool story. His dad played in the NFL. He has four older siblings, all Division One athletes, including one who's a national championship gymnast at Michigan right now. Um, she's a vaulter there. Uh, and he, in a true endearing to Notre Dame fans way, said that she's just lucky that Notre Dame doesn't have a gymnastics team because like, she wouldn't have been a national champion if that was the case. So Benjamin Morrison, uh, long, may, long may he come in for interviews and have a, a prosperous career at Notre Dame because I think we would all be better for it. Um, all right, let's jump into the interview with Brian Spruwell. I think you will learn a lot about sort of kind of his career journey, if you don't know it, and then some good insights on NIL and where the future of college athletics is headed. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. 
Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Special guest today. Um, I think if you're are sort of plugged into Notre Dame, it doesn't need much of an introduction. But uh, Byron Spruell, former Notre Dame walk-on, um, executive at the NBA, trustee at the university, um, joining us from New York. Byron, first, welcome. Thanks for doing this. Um, and I guess as a, as a former player and um, a fan and a, I guess a, a former Notre Dame football dad, even with your son here, yep. what, what's sort of your level of interest and excitement in, in year one of Marcus Freeman? Oh, there's a lot of excitement and support for coach Freeman. Um, you can already tell he's going to make a huge difference in terms of the recruiting aspect, um, the excitement and new energy that he's brought in. You can see it from sort of day one when, that one viral video of the, the players just uh, in his announcement, just uh, rallying around him. So we're excited about uh, his tenure. Um, nothing against Brian Kelly, wishing well at LSU, but but Coach Freeman is going to bring a new energy and I think a new level of competitiveness that um, we'll see on both sides of the ball and, of course, on special teams too. So excited about him, excited about the program, excited about the players are going to play for him, both the current uh, group as well as you know those future folks that get to experience the uniquely and special place that we call Notre Dame. So looking forward to it. Aaron, to take it a step further, you're a Cleveland area native. I'm sure you have no shortage of Buckeyes fans who have been uh, <laughs> chirping a little bit and will be chirping some more in a couple of weeks. Oh. Um, what do you look forward to most with that opener? Will you have a chance to make it out there and, and any early predictions? Yeah, there's a bunch, as we talked a little bit before, there's a bunch going on around that time. So I'm not sure I'm going to be able to make it out just given my commitments with the NBA. Um, however, I, I do look forward to the game and we'll be watching for sure. Um, it'll be a good level test for us. I thought the bowl game was, was special as well, just kind of uh, his real first game, if you will. But now the real first regular season game, a big one at the shoe. And so uh, it's going to bring some, some special – and we're going to compete. I mean, I, there's no question about that. We're going to compete. We'll be ready. And so uh, it'll be a big day for us, big day for the program. If we get that win, then it lights out. If we don't, <laughs> it's still the level of competition I think we'll see to get us started and see what Notre Dame football really is about uh, under Coach Freeman. So really excited about it. I, I don't think I'm going to get a chance to make it out there, but definitely we'll be rooting us on it and we'll be there. It actually, if I can, it actually brings back a few memories for me. Because um, being a Cleveland native, I thought I'd end up at Ohio State. I was recruited heavily across the country, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. So a lot of Big Ten teams and then Notre Dame and others. And a big combination for me was the academic and athletic um, sort of uh, combination and, and excellence. And so that's ultimately why I ended up choosing Notre Dame. I, I, in fact, Pete, I, I was actually recruited. Uh, I wasn't like a five-star guy like the Robert Banks and Alonzo Jeffersons and Alvin Millers that I'll play with <laughs> that came in with me. But I, I did so – my son was a walk-on, but I actually was uh, was recruited and had scholarship years there. So um, just a quick sort of fact check. But at the same time, just to get good for me, man, in terms of the, the choice my family – and I made in Notre Dame and 
you know, for the last many, many years, both being a student athlete there, being a parent of a student athlete there, um, the time now on the board of trustees uh, and, and post, you know, being on campus, if you will, it's just been a great ride and a great journey. So I'm, I'm just truly blessed to be affiliated with the university. You know, you, you'd sort of reference like Marcus Freeman and the impact on the current players and the future players as a, a nod to recruiting. Um, yes. But as a former player, I think that the impact he's had on former players has been pretty immense to date so far with, you know, the blue gold game reunion. And yep. when I was sort of shadowed Marcus on the alumni tour in May, um, that came up time and time again about yep. how important that was. You, I mean, in, I was interested to have you speak to that because as a former player yourself, yep. you know, like what it feels like to be welcomed back at the university, what it feels like when you, maybe you're disconnected, um, how, why does that matter? And what impression did Marcus make on you as with that the, outreach? Yeah, it's great because there's so many elements to that of being part of the Notre Dame family. Certain coaches have embraced that and certain coaches have not as much. And so you can tell Marcus is on you know 11 out of 10 of that <laughs> in terms of uh, extending uh, reach outs, uh, wanting former guys to be part of the program, wanting that connection between current players and, and past players and even future players uh, to be all connected there in all the appropriate ways. And so I think he brings a new element to that. You can sort of see it grounded in him and his mm -hmm. sort of faith and, and purpose, but it, with his own family, then extended to the Notre Dame family. So it's been great to have that sort of new energy back as well. And so, like I said, he's just, he's doing all the right things. We got to support him in terms of the, the journey ahead and the success that he will have. Iron, you're a captain on the 1987 Notre Dame team. Um, you were not on the national championship team in 88, but Coach Holtz gave you a ring yes. for your contributions and building the program anyway. What did that mean to you? And just what, you know, we saw him speak to the team last yes. week. He's obviously still very uh, active and involved. What was that relationship like with Coach Holtz, especially as a guy who was not actually recruited by Oh, uh, So I was recruited by Faust, but to the point, Coach Holtz has been a tremendous mentor, coach for life, as he likes to call it. And you can still see. So the viral video around him doing the magic trick, I've seen that many, many times and, and <laughs> you know, still can't figure it out either. But but at the same time, just amazing individual person, coach and mentor, sponsor even. Uh, I counsel with him a lot, obviously, during the time that I was his co-captain. Uh, but at the same time, you mentioned relationship with it's it's been throughout uh, and that that true sense of four for 40. So four years at the university and then extends on for 40 more years. He has lived up to that as well. So I hold a lot of, of um, uh, real praise for Coach Holtz and what he represents, uh, what he's provided to players who have played for him and players who are just associated with him. And so he holds a true special place in my heart. Um, and we continue to, to bond and talk all the time. It, it's interesting though, because when I go back to the days I played for him, it was a different kind of discussion about what do we need to do for, for leadership on the team? What's next around all the details? He's a tactician to the, to, to no end. Right. And so the details around the preparation that were always there and what we need to do for Chuck and I to, to help lead the team. Chuck was more of the vocal leader. I was a little bit more of the quiet, leader but at the same time we led by example and together we were a good match there and coach Holtz if you notice if you go back in his lineage he usually 
doesn't pick the skill players necessarily to be captains. He picks the guys that are going to, you know, fight it out in the trenches, if you will. So Lyman and others. And so it's interesting from that aspect. Again, it was special to be a part of that. And Coach Holtz has just been a special part of my journey. Um, the one quick other thing I'd say is he always go back to some of his acronyms, even today. Uh, when, what's important now in terms of making life decisions. Uh, and then also TLC, trust, love, and commitment. So trust the folks that you're that you going to be associated with it. Make sure they love what they do and make sure they're committed to your success. So um, many, many ways he's still grounded in a lot of things I do day to day. So just a real special person in my life. That might be an interesting sort of pivot towards leadership um, as it relates to Marcus. So like Coach Holtz had his style of leadership. Yep. Um, you know, you could lead differently in the 80s as a coach than you can in the in the 2020s. Sure. Uh, and I remember talking to Marcus uh, when he was out on the alumni tour, when he was in Dallas, stopped by the Mavericks, spent some time with Jason Kidd. How do you lead? How do you engage young people? And yep. Jason Kidd told him like, you know, the players I'm coaching aren't that much older than the players you're coaching. And like, he has to figure out ways to engage them to sort of like get on their level, maybe yep. more than maybe a coach Holtz would um, yep. 30 years ago. How like around the NBA, when it comes to leadership, successful coaches, like what works and do you sort of see any of like the, those markings in, in Marcus early on about like, he's a guy that is willing to sort of get on the level of the players in a, in a more modern approach, I think. Yeah. I think there are a lot of parallels there and and I'll make a couple other comparisons and, and not to say that, you know, it, 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 it's individualized to some extent. Uh, you, know, yeah. you could call him a player's coach right away, right? And again, you can just sit, tell the energy that he brings to the players. And, you know, a coach kid is someone who I think is more of a player's coach, whereas someone like Coach Pop, I would say, is more like more like a Lou Holtz kind of, you know, mm -hmm. so if you make those kind of parallels, I, I get where you're going with it. But Coach Freeman just al already has that sort of relationship that you need. But it's not just with the players. You can tell it's, as we said before, current players, future players, past players, it's across the university, his relationship with Jack Swarbrick, with, with university uh, heads and, and executives. So you can just tell he he really has bought in and, and people have bought into his persona, to his philosophy, to his strategy. And it's just early days. And that's why you can already say it, it, it's off the early days, but already, you know, very good signs of success. And he's got to deliver now but very good signs of success uh, for future performance. So really excited about what he's bringing, for sure. All right. Have you dealt with him as he reached out to you, your son, Devin? Have you had any personal, either you know, virtual or in-person interactions yep. with him? And is there anything on the books to do that? If that's Not right? yet. Looking forward to doing that, uh, both in, in the context of myself, uh, Devin. I'll be back on campus for board meetings coming up, so looking forward to spending some special time and quality time with Coach Freeman. Devin will all be, also be back. He's based in Chicago now. Uh, and so he will also be back for a number of games. A, a few of those we'll do together. And so we're looking forward to spending some quality time with Coach Freeman. It hasn't happened yet. I missed the, you know, the reunion that he basically had at the Blue Goal game here again for uh, other due to all the commitments as the la latter part of our regular season. So it just didn't work out for me. But at the same time, I'm looking forward to, to spending some quality time with him in his office. I was sort of interested in your opinion, like as an executive at the NBA at a very high level, um, how you view the business of college sports and mm -hmm. everything that's going on right now. Um, I realize that you're a trustee at Notre Dame, so that's like maybe you can't yeah. just riff here. But um, <laughs> I just on a 
sort of a general level, how do you, how do you sort of see where college sports is having also having been a former athlete here at Notre Dame and a graduate, um, just like where we are in 2022 in college athletics? Yeah, it, it's interesting you say it that way, Pete, because I, I got to be I'll, I'll definitely answer the question, but I got to be careful because of the business <laughs> element, because of the NBA element, because of the Notre Dame element. So I hear you. But but what I would say is it's just there's so much in the changing landscape, right, where you got. Uh, NIL, you got transfer portal, you got uh, so many different dynamics, all the conference changes, if you will, in, in terms of Power Five and now what Big Ten and others are doing. And so it's um, it's quite interesting from that aspect. And so we do have to take a lens of it, certainly as a, as a trustee, got to take a lens of it from that standpoint. I'm on the undergraduate uh, education and, and student life committee and then I'll obviously deals with the you know other special committees that we have in place around uh, sports and otherwise. And so from that aspect, it's been very interesting to sort of see the wave of what's happened over the past several years and what we can anticipate for the future and how Notre Dame can still be uniquely positioned based on who we are, what we represent, and how we want to move forward in this landscape. And then, as I say, from well, picket college football, college basketball, uh, other major sports programs at universities and colleges um, from a business standpoint, it's going to be interesting how that develops too. And so from an MBA standpoint, we got to look at how that impacts uh, age eligibility and other mm-hmm. things. And so uh, it's quite, quite interesting, but, but it's exciting at the same time. I mean, there's opportunity in some of those um, changes, if you will. And so we got to continue to analyze it from a business aspect and certainly at the university level, both the business and the um, uh, sort of institutional elements of it as yeah, well. It's like, like what we like cultural, to represent. Yeah, Absolutely. Like Absolutely. Cultural element there. Like, in, I mean, you just feel like there's a, there's a path for Notre Dame to fit in oh, for wherever sure. culture goes. For sure. Not only fit, but I think lead uh, with okay. Father Jenkins and Jack uh, Swarbrick and, and even Jack Brennan uh, chair. I mean, what, what they've done as a leadership team, Shannon Cullen and others, um, it's just been amazing in terms of uh, how we, and I'll use the term from my past, both at Deloitte and others, uh, you know, lead from the front. I mean, it, there are ways that Notre Dame is uniquely positioned to continue to lead from the front and set an example, set a standard and be part of the conversation for sure. In that same vein, again, given your current position, I don't expect you to announce you're going to the Big Ten or something like that on the show here. However, I am curious, as someone who lived it, as someone who would be involved with such conversations and is obviously very attached to his alma mater still, I think especially right now, it's very easy to do the back of the napkin math and say, all right, Notre Dame needs to join the Big Ten. Like, there's more money, more exposure, et cetera, et cetera. I know it's not that simple. Uh, from your personal point of view, why is – can you explain to the listeners, explain to us why even now independence is so cherished and special and what Notre Dame gets out of being a football independent in 2022. Yeah. I mean, even back in my day, right. That that's many, many years ago now that, you know, it was always some element of, of Notre Dame's going to join the big 10, Notre Dame's going to join the big 10 and that's never happened. And so 30 plus years later, it's, you know, still part of the conversation yet, even now, is it the right place? Um, Are there other, uh, conferences, are there other ways that we, our independence can still be attractive? And I think, as I said, um, Jack Swarbrick and others have sort of led the charge in that understanding, Father Jenkins, et cetera. And so I think we'll continue to look at the landscape and what's the uh, right and appropriate path for Notre Dame to join or not. 
And if that independence continues to be the, the right path for us, then I think we'll we'll hold true to it as a foundational element. And so um, I do I do know this. We will make the right choice in that. Uh, it's an attractive uh, opportunity, if you will, given what's coming our way. Um, and whether that's one conference versus another, that's still to be determined. Yet the independent side of it does continue to make it very interesting because we're we're in the want right now. Uh, we're desired uh, from an institutional standpoint. It's that culture. It's that leadership. Uh, it's that unique element that Notre Dame brings that people want to be associated with. And that, that's a good position to be in. And maybe we continue to be in that position. We'll see. What about um, I was I was interested in how you felt about like NIL, the way mm-hmm. maybe not the way that it's like everywhere else in the country, but like the way sure. Notre Dame has approached it. Um, sure. I don't know how familiar you are with sort of Brady Quinn and Tom Mendoza's yeah. venture with funds and sort of funding charitable works. But like, is there a, you, you there's a, a, do you feel like there's a path for Notre Dame to sort of lead, like you said earlier um, in that space and like do it a uniquely Notre Dame way? Absolutely. And so I, I've been um, with, with um, Father Jenkins, Jack Swarbrick, uh, Jimmy Dunn, mm. uh, Tom Flair, the others who are very much engaged in this, working with Tom Mendoza, Brady Quinn, Pat Eilers. I mean, so it's a, it's a good group of folks that are very focused on it. And again, I think we're doing it in the right way, meaning be true and unique to what Notre Dame is and what we want to represent there. We could do it like other universities, but we want to do it our way and continue to lead. Now, that has maybe some limitations to it, but also has some attractiveness to it. And we have to balance all of those issues to make sure we can still compete in this environment, given the landscape, but at the same time, still do it uniquely Notre Dame's way. And so I, I think we're, we're, finding a, we're finding a real good path and ground for that, that students, student athletes will be very attracted to, even though, you know, pick the other big schools out there, they can do it their way. We want to do it our way and still be competitive and still be able to attract uh, significant student athletes to the university. I don't know if you know Kevin Warren well at all personally. I know he's an Notre Dame law grad. Um, you both were kind of had the same job two years ago, for better, for worse, yep. implementing the bubble and yep. Um, yep. during COVID and everything. Uh, do you know him at all? And, and, and when you hear him make comments like he did to HBO, um, about potential revenue sharing and engaging in dialogue with student athletes about paying players. One, I'm sure there's a little bit of regret on your part, like, hey, it would have been nice when I was playing to get some money. But two, you know, from your position, again, as a, a pro sports uh, executive, what do you think of that? What do you think the future of college sports holds in that regard, particularly as it relates to Notre Dame? Yeah, I, I, it's interesting. I, I agree with you in terms of it just changing a dynamic that we all have to be cognizant of in the sports realm. Um, I do know Kevin, don't spend a lot of time with him, but but know him well. And I think his comments are his comments. That's his perspective, particularly given his position right now. And uh, I think he's going to make the, the the best of the position and, and what's out there from that standpoint in this landscape. Uh, for for me personally, I have to tell you, it's very interesting to see. I, I'm not as concerned about I didn't get a chance to benefit from it, nor did Devin in this case, <laughs> uh, just, a, just a few years ago. Uh, at the same time, it is what the landscape is. I just, I'll use this word, I'm just not sure if it's truly sustainable. And, and the NCAA will have to work that out. Um, the, the, the professional sports leagues will have to understand the competitive nature of now what those dollars mean to you know, 18, 19, 20 year olds when 
you know, maybe some of those kids have an opportunity to, to join some of the major sports leagues at the same time. So what does that mean from a competitive landscape as well? So we'll be looking at all that. Um, but but at the same time, I, I just I, I put my personal element on it again. It, it's very interesting, those dynamics right now. And if, if that's the dynamic that's in place, then I think kids ought to be able to you know, have an opportunity as a result of it, given the landscape. Um, I'm not I'm not saying I agree or disagree with the landscape, but I think if kids have that opportunity and have the right path and can find the right fit for their own individual circumstances, their family circumstances, then then all for it, all for it. This is sort of the last one for me. We've asked you a lot of questions about your perspective from an yeah. NBA executive um, as a former offensive lineman to go a little <laughs> bit more micro. Um, okay. With Harry Heastan back at the program, having watched where the line was under him, where it was the last few years, where it can be again with, you know, Blake Fisher and Joe Wald at the offensive tackle spots, two yeah. guys that I think it's it's hard for offensive linemen necessarily to be NIL opportunities, but I think both those guys have it. <laughs> um, where what are you most interested to sort of see at that position uh, with Harry Heastan back and sort of I think the pride of that position being restored a little bit. Pete, I think you just called us the big uglies as a result of what you said. I I could watch Blake Fisher and Joe Alt do outside zone blocking all day. It's beautiful to watch. No, and I'm I'm glad you give us some props to the O-line. Again, that's that's what Coach Holmes always said. It started both on the O-line and D-line. And so I I obviously lived that life. Um, And it's an interesting one that you lay out, though, because – I think a lot of success will start with the O-line in particular, um, getting the offense set, et cetera, and getting in a good place where the skilled guys can really get their, get their jobs done, if you will. And so I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic about what we have in place there, given coach coming back. Um, if you go back to a little bit of, of my lineage, I, I played under coach Yelovich while coach Moore was there as well. Mm-hmm. And so there's a good, and even with Coach Faust, there was Coach Higgins. So really good line of offensive line coaching, if you will. And so with that, I think with Coach being back, it, it it's going to set yet another new bar, I think, given the uh, athletes we're going to continue to attract, given what can be accomplished under his toolage. And I think we'll be in a good place. Now, it's always interesting to me, and I, I'll throw this in from a personal O-line standpoint, when do we usually get called out? <laughs> Holding. Holding. Offsides. You know, all the, fa- the, false the, starts yeah, on a, yeah, a loud road the, environment. Oh, yeah, there yeah, might yeah, be one all, of those coming. All the sort of negative things. But when Tim Brown runs off your butt to a touchdown, <laughs> it, you know, it's all about Timmy, which I appreciate. And, you know, hope hope to – and he would say this, hope to, you know, be recognized for, for helping him win the Heisman, right? And so that's the kind of guy he is. But at the same time, you just have to know that that's part of your persona, that you're, again, helping others. And that leadership can really help for overall team success. And that, I think offensive linemen truly embody what a teammate is, um, because we're not looking for the accolades. We, we're those five or six guys, if you got that tight end in there, to really make things sort of happen on the, in the trenches, if you will. And, and allow the rest of the teams to the rest of the team to kind of get the, the true accolades. But at the end of the day, you know, a lot of where it started from. And so that's kind of the sort of behind the scenes uh, persona and, and sort of mindset that, that you have to have as an office alignment. And I think coach will, will bring that to the fore as well as the guys who are going to 
bring it day to day, you know, at the, on the practice field as well as on game days as well. Almost like there's some parallels there between dealing with officiating and suspensions. <laughs> oh, and Matt, don't get me started. All that fun stuff with your I, real I, job. I tell, I tell our officials all the time because that's part of my, you know, part of league operations is referee operations, basketball operations, strategy and analytics. And so I tell our guys all the time, our, our referees, that I, I haven't sat in your shoes, but I get it, you know, because you're behind the scenes to some extent. You are, you know, an important part of our, our product. Um, and, and when do you get called out? And there's a, you know, an error or miss as opposed to when you're making, a, you know, a good call for a, a good percentage of the time you're on the court. And so uh, it, it, there are a lot of parallels there. And I actually use that line quite a bit, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> One more uh, while we're on the subject. I mean, we've done so much football talk and you've got the NBA background here. Um, how well do you know Coach Bray, Coach Ivy? What are your thoughts on the state of both basketball programs in Notre Dame after um, – both of them had pretty impressive seasons getting to the tournament. Oh, they, they continue to impress. I think both continue to do great things with the, with the talent that they have. I think this whole mix of landscape and NIL and everything else we've talked about, too, obviously relates to, to big programs like ours in college college basketball, both the women's program and the men's program. So I, I saw both of them at the recent draft, uh, given, you know, um, the, the two draftees that were in place with with the Ivy family and, and – um, uh, his name is escaping me now. The uh, our uh, Notre Dame guy. I tell you about Blake Wesley. Blake, Blake, yeah. yeah so, right. so I I didn't see Blake that night. I saw Jaden. I saw um, uh, Coach Ivy, and I saw Coach Bray. Uh, okay. but I didn't get yeah, but I didn't see see Blake. Um, however, um, just great programs that they continue to build. Uh, always get the best out of their talent, and we will continue to be very proud of of what each of those coaches will do. Obviously, you know, Coach Ivy is setting her own standard now coming from uh, a, a Muffet, <laughs> directly from Muffet's right. program, but then also taking on, uh, given, you know, her leadership. And then certainly Coach Bray has just been year after year after year producing. Um, you go back to even another guy that I always connect with now, Pat Connaughton. I mean, just a great product coming out of Coach Bray's program, but continuing to do really well with the Bucks and playing his role uh, championship team a couple of years ago. And so uh, I love seeing that when our guys continue to do well and gals continue to do well. <laughs> Think about WNBA right now. There's a lot of Notre Dame players that we're continuing to talk about in the playoffs right now. So a lot of connectivity there that I, I love reaching out to and having those relationships, but, but particularly with Coach Ivy and Coach Prague, who I just saw at, the, at our recent NBA draft. Well, Byron, we appreciate you uh, making some time for us on the Shamrock. We'll uh, let you get back to the matters of uh, NBA executives, and uh, it'll be I'll, I'll enjoy uh, September fourth from uh, New York or wherever you are watching Notre Dame uh, at Ohio State. It should be uh, it's going to be a heck of an atmosphere. That's for absolutely, that's for sure. absolutely. We'll we'll be there. We'll be present. And as I say, I know we're going to compete. So good luck to the program. Thanks again, Byron. Right, thank you, guys. I right, appreciate it. Thanks, right. guys. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Thanks again to Byron Sproul for, for taking the time out of this busy day to, to speak with us, Pete. Um, as we enter a pretty fascinating conversation, a guy who has kind of seen it all in both the sports and business world and um, looking forward to seeing hopefully seeing him on campus sometime soon at a game um, and curious to see his impressions when he finally does get a chance to sit down and meet with Marcus Rehm. Am I getting way too over my skis to think that like when Notre Dame needs a new athletic director, that's, that would be somebody that you would at least call uh, if not to pursue for the position to pick their brain on what should we do? No, I mean, I figured you were going there when you started saying that. And I, I, I don't want to say like, I think he's way too overqualified for yeah. it. You know what I mean? No, so yes, definitely true. Yes. Um, you call him, uh, you see if that's something that may be of interest to him. Now, if I'm putting myself in his shoes, obviously I'm not nearly as smart or as accomplished as he is. If I'm two seats over from the NBA commissioner job, right. that's probably something I have my eyes on. Certainly um, somebody but, like if I was Notre Dame, I would want him to, interview the person that I may hire to be AD because I think the questions he would ask in that setting I think would be phenomenal and spot on for like where college athletics and media rights are going in 2022 to 2025 to 2030 and beyond. Absolutely and he'll probably will be doing that in some shape or form as a trustee and I, right. I thought it was timely of us to have him on because of all the upheaval and change and, and quote-unquote uncertainty going around college athletics and, and in some ways particularly to Notre Dame just as we get into that conference versus independence um, kind of talk. So it was interesting to hear his uh, his perspective. Um, again, I, I'll be curious to see, you know, what the next steps in his career are because, like you said, I mean, that that's that should be one of your first calls in theory. I, I don't know if he would take it. And, again, there's not, not like there's going to be any shortage of – no, if I can't, it's for that job whenever it opens up. Uh, this week is week zero, Matt. Um, the season is upon us, even though, well, are you covering a game this weekend? Oh, are, I am. Are you I going am, to Illinois, Wyoming? I am driving to beautiful Champaign, Illinois, and I've never been more excited, Pete. Um, <laughs> if you can drive it, you can do it, especially in week zero. Unfortunately, Dublin was not on the agenda this year, but listeners, hopefully we'll be doing <laughs> Shamrock um, from the, the Shamrock birthplace in Ireland around this time next year. Yeah, those ESQ bombers are getting packed away for that, <laughs> that trip. When, uh, when no, bombers, a few Guinnesses, and, and, and whatever else we can sneak in overseas. But no, uh, yeah, I'm going to go to Wyoming, Illinois. Why not is my 
uh, take on that. Um, Big Ten both, football, why not? Why not? There are two. Uh, there are two teams in my state playing Saturday. One of them I can actually drive to. So, uh, looking forward to that. I mean, Illinois should win. Wyoming's rebuilding even by their standards this year. Um, but it should be fun. I'm looking forward to, to, to seeing the game. I don't know if I've actually covered a game there. I've been there um, quite a few times, just for interviews and tours and the like. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's football's in the air. I mean, I, I'm excited. We've got that. Um, I've got. You, you're you're not going with. You're not already. I take it from your background in Hawaii with with Clark no, Lee and staff for their week zero game. Clark. Lee year two behind the scenes in Hawaii. Unfortunately. I would for the Hawaii trip. <laughs> no, I definitely would. Um, that is a, a 10 30 PM Eastern kickoff on Saturday night. Oh, I love it. Which uh, at least it's televised it's on CBS SN, uh, which I'm pretty sure I get. I'll double check that before uh, Tom Herman, the newest Saturday CBS rolls around. sports network announcer, but uh, Vanderbilt favored by nine points. May not be favored in a whole lot of games this year, so a bit of a must win. Um, I think when we had Sanford Steve on, I was like, "Give me, give me some insight on the Commodores." And it's like, if you're going to bet the over, it's got to be over quickly. And I think, mm. uh, yeah, this was this is one. Mike Wright's their uh, the new quarterback, or not newish? He rotated last year, uh, and I think our Joe Rexroad had a feature on him today on the Athletic. So, as everyone who listens to the show knows, Vanderbilt. Side chick of the Shamrock, um, perhaps not more. LSU this year. No, it's not. It's not LSU. Although I LSU is the mistress, the mistress, the ex-wife who took all your. Yeah, I don't know if you saw <laughs> this. Um, that uh, Brian Kelly today, I believe, while talking about freshman tight end Mason Taylor at LSU, called Taylor as good as any freshman tight end he's ever coached, and compared him to Georgia tight end Brock Bowers. I'm offended. I'm so offended right now by this. Um, that's actually a real, like, I, I did not hear that. I'm just learning about that now. It's just, God, that's a, that is such a great troll by Brian. Like, I didn't know he had that in him, but especially <sighs> you, you can't tell me that that's not um, in response to the barstool snippet from mayor about a month ago, comparing and contrasting um, Kelly and Freeman's coaching styles. Like that, that like that's, well done, Brian Kelly. I, I did not know. Like, where, where was all that sass when we were interviewing you? <laughs> it, uh, it is something. I mean, we're talking, I'll, I'll do respect to Mason Taylor. We're talking about a three-star prospect um, who was the number 24 tight end in the country and the number 67 player in Florida last year. Um, I know his dad, his, it looks, his dad is Jason Taylor. So, you know, right. Brian Kelly is nothing if not a political creature. But, uh, I mean, come on. You just coached Michael Mayer, who you were stumping for to be on the uh, win the Mackey Award last year, right before you took the LSU job. So it's, I'm just saying, I'm I'm offended, I'm hurt. I felt like felt like I knew Brian Kelly better than that, but here he goes and just can't can't bring himself to compliment Mike Mayer. I will sad, uh, sad day, Matt. I, I'll I'll warm your heart. Uh, this I don't think this is running till next week, but we did our Heisman draft, and I drafted Michael Mayer. Um, I, I had the first pick for the third year in a row. Now I haven't won the last two years, so it doesn't mean a whole lot. Um, and I think it was the first pick of the third round. We had four runs, four rounds. There were nine of us. I took Michael Mayer, um, got some laughs and some jokes, but I will say the last tight end to finish in the top five of the Heisman voting was Ken McAfee in 1977, Notre Dame right. graduate, uh, who finished Did third. Finish second, third, third or second. Um, 
third from my research. Maybe I got that wrong, but it was an Erdem guy. Um, and as I think anyone who's paid any attention to Erdem football knows, Michael Mayer is really good. Um, he's probably going to get even more targets this way, uh, given the way that receiving core is looking right now uh, from a numbers perspective. And he already set the school's single season record um, among tight ends for catches and touchdowns in the season um, while also leading the team in receiving yards last year. So I actually feel, cause you know, quarterbacks, a lot of times they're, they're overhyped coming into the year and they don't deliver, at least when we're talking about Heisman. Um, I feel the most confident in Michael Mayer out of my four picks having the best season of those four. Um, now I hope, well, I shouldn't say I hope my first pick does well, cause that might not bode well for Notre Dame, uh, in the opener. Uh, so, uh, Wait, uh, CJ Stroud, Trevion Henderson, <laughs> Jackson, so Jippo, who do you have? One of the three you mentioned. Yes. The guy who's a preseason betting favorite. Cause if you don't take him at number one, then you're a laughing stock, but, um, yeah. So I, I hope, I hope my, uh, both myself and Stanford Steve's love for, uh, Michael Mayer, counterbalances Brian Kelly's um, snippy comments and Bruce Feldman leaving him off the freaks list last week. Just outrageous. Um, well, on the topic of Ohio State, we will be back next week with a special guest who I think is just like the wa- a walking shamrock bump unto himself, Ari Wasserman, former Ohio State beat reporter, now a national recruiting correspondent for The Athletic. Um in my mailbag, which goes up on Friday, I uh, said for, for people in the Notre Dame space who are unfamiliar with Wasserman, he is the filet of fish of the college football athletic staff, which well, you can take that however you would like. Well, it's funny you say that because that also is not an ad. Uh, McDonald's liked him shouting out filet of fish so much on his podcast a couple of years ago that they literally sent him a swag bag with McDonald's. <laughs> gear and play a fish gear. Now I would personally rather a bomber jacket. Uh, that's very nice. That I would actually wear. Yeah, it's a little more like Notre Dame style, Matt, like that's the, <laughs> the play McDonald's is a little more Ohio state. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> well, he was there this week. He actually sat down with Ryan day. He had a good, good story uh, on our site this week, but I, d- I did think of Ari this week. I don't know if you saw one of the, uh, I forget which sports gambling Twitter account made a compilation of skip Bayless debating himself and it was everything good and bad he said of Aaron Rodgers and it was like you're an idiot Rodgers is terrible and he's like he's the best and I'm like if you could take every recruiting take Ari ever had about Ohio State and put it into like a one minute video clip we could probably replicate that here so I'm looking forward to having him on the show um, and hearing about how Notre Dame's going to lose 77 to nothing just for our listeners one prepare for that also prepare for some really weird tangents which I cannot predict at this time if you go on a podcast with Ari, you expect to be interrupted. You, I mean, it's it's happening probably five or six times in the course of a 10-minute conversation. And you really have no idea where it's going. So if as long as everyone calibrates their expectations to what is our, the Ari Wasserman experience actually is, I think people will really enjoy the show. If you're expecting more of like kind of a nuts and bolts depth chart breakdown, like eh, you might not get that next week. But you'll have a good time if you have a sense of humor about it which I know everyone has a good sense of humor about Notre Dame, Ohio State. Yeah, two, two years ago when I, well, I, I still run the Heisman straw poll for us, but I remember um, one of the Chase Young mega games in 2019. He was like, we, we're getting into it. He's like, who doesn't have him number one? He's the best player I've ever covered. 
in my entire career at Ohio State. And then um, they beat Michigan, and he doesn't even have on his top three. And I'm like, what happened? And he's like, you got to show up in the Michigan game. If you don't show up in the Michigan game, you're just, yeah, okay. <laughs> he made it to New York. I think he's doing all right for himself. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. Well, I think our listeners will enjoy that. It should be a good read into uh, where Ohio State is as a, as a program. God knows there's enough Notre Dame connections between Ohio State and Notre Dame right now. We could sort of parse those apart a little bit. Um, but just be prepared for like, hey, Ari, what's your prediction? Eh, I don't know, 57-3? Um, something like that will probably be coming down the pipe too. So I just, I just want everybody to be prepared before they hit play on that episode. But it should be a fun one. So on that note, we'll wrap up our second podcast this week. We'll be back next week with Ari. And then our podcast after that, we'll be together yet again, not in a fashion house in Chicago, but at Ohio Stadium uh, for Notre Dame, Ohio State. So next week is game week. Should be a good time. So until then, he's Matt. I'm Pete. Thanks for being with us on the latest episode of The Shamrock. Shamrock.